Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is a conversation with Nuno Fonseca. He is the creator of audio software called Sound Particles. So visual effects artists have been using particle systems since 1982. Particle systems for visual effects were first used in the totally amazing and highly recommended second Star Trek film, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, Particle systems in visual effects take millions of sprites to create things visually like fire, dust, explosions, clouds, magical effects, anything that visually is fuzzy and chaotic and consists of many things. Uh, So using particle systems in visual effects dramatically changed the film industry. This episode's guest, Nuno Fonseca, does this with sound, and as a result, his sound particles software has been used in an insane amount of films like Nope, Dune, The Rise of Skywalker, Alita Battle Angel, Spider-Man films, Marvel and DC films, also TV shows like Rings of Power, Westworld, Star Trek Discovery, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, and then games, too, now, like The Outer Worlds and Assassin's Creed Origins. Musicians are starting to use it for their music and uh, other uh, sound installations in, like, theater situations are starting to use sound particles. So it becomes a huge time saver for sound designers who need, like, a thousand people on the battlefield, many of whom are shooting guns, or any other type of epic soundscape that you can imagine. It condenses, like, an entire day's work, or maybe even many days' work, into just a a very small amount of time, a couple of minutes or hours. So Nuno and his team generously provided the sound particle software to our producer here at Level, Sam Keenan. The what? And he's absolutely loved working with these tools in his music, which is, again, another useful application for the sound particle software. And we'll uh, get into some of that in this conversation with Nuno. Sound particles currently consists of six plugins. So a plugin is like basically like a mod for a game, right? It's like there's this existing software and then there's this piece that you can add to it to enhance it in some way. And that's what a plugin does with audio software. Uh, you know, it can, there are plugins that deal with reverb or static, or I mean, just think about it in an audio way. There's a plugin for it and there's a plugin to cancel that effect as well in some way. So um, Nuno's plugins have, there's a Doppler one, which was really fun for Sam and I to play with. Uh, different ways to pan audio. So when you're panning audio, the audio starts in a very specific place. So maybe you hear it to the back and up and it might move around in some way, but the sound is traveling in some sort of uh, motion. So there's different panners that, that Sound Particles has. Um, there's one called Air that allows you to mess around with distance, like how far away a sound is. And of course that can be um, dependent on weather, like how humid is it, how dry is the air, how uh, you know hot is it, how cold is it, all of that affects uh, the distance that you hear sound from far away. Um, so just many, many things. And Nuno will talk about all of them and he'll explain them way more eloquently than I have. But, uh, you know, these plugins are great and there's free offerings of, of some of them too, depending on, you know, if you're a student or whatnot, but then they also have a couple of uh, things that are free regardless of, of your status as a human being, uh, whether you're a student or a teacher or not at all. There's a free ebook to learn about 3D audio and immersive audio, and it's incredibly accessible. There's no one with any mathematical, uh, you know, drawings or equations to help you understand binaural sound. It's not like that. It just helps you understand what is binaural sound, what is 3D audio, what is 7.1.2, and all of these things. It's really cool. All of that is at soundparticles.com. Okay, sorry to talk so much, but I wanted to kind of set the precedent for the fact that we're, we're going to be talking about very specific audio tools with very specific tasks assigned to them. So uh, that's kind of uh, what, what we're going to do with Nuno today. Really enjoyed talking with him, really loved learning about uh, the software that, that he's created. There will be a video of this up on YouTube. Check us out there. That's youtube.com slash level with Emily Reese. 
Join us on Discord. There's no cost. You can come on into the Discord server however you like. Uh, link is down in the show notes. And uh, please do become a patron if you're able to. You can support us at patreon.com slash level. All right, here is Nuno Fonseca. My name is Nuno Fonseca. I uh, am the, the founder and CEO at Sound Particles. I was for many years uh, uh, teaching at the at the university, I was teaching computer science in one university and music technology on a different university. Um, but then I decided to create this crazy software called, called Sound Particles, and then my life changed, and uh, I created the company. Now we have uh, a company of around 30 people. We create multiple softwares. We create. We are working on the, the new generation of Sound Particles that is a software that is used in things like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Frozen, Dune, and many others. We are also having several plugins. And on top of that, we are also uh, working on some sound management software with some cloud features to be added in a, a few months. Uh, and you know, on top of that, we are also doing some research on binaural sound and creating our own technology of 3D sound over at fun. So a very, very, very quick presentation about what we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely achieved this beautiful, like, duality career, right, of your love of technology and your love of sound. And I, I just, I think it's interesting how you decided to be a professor so that you could pursue research. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, I recall during high school to do one of those tests to see what is the best career for you. And I got the exact same score for engineering and for music. Um, so then I went to, to college. Uh, I took engineering. But at the same time, when I was at university in Lisbon, I also, during one year, I also was attending the course on um, composition and orchestration and all of those things. So I always have this one fit in each world. And usually nowadays we look at people and unless people are specialized on a single thing, it seems that, okay, that person is a little confused with life or whatever. <laughs> but for me, having one fit in each world uh, allow me to First, understand the needs of what is needing music and what can be done and all of those things, but at the same time, to know how to create a solution for that problem. And so after college, I even went to work in an IT company for a couple of years, but I was missing the audio and the music in my life. So I decided, no, I'm going to go to uh, teaching at the university, which would allow me to have some time to do some crazy uh, project uh, at some point for instance one of the things that i have done was uh, some work with east west creating the uh, text to sing engine that they use on their product that allow you to write the text that you want the choir to to listen to i ended up writing a book about sound engineering portuguese uh, and then later on with some particles so yeah it's this kind of duality that i think it's interesting uh, instead of having only traditional computer engineers or uh, musicians, sometimes it's good to have people that make bridges in, in between fields. Right, yeah. So explain what Sound Particles is. For, for people to understand better what Sound Particles is, I will probably start by telling a little of the history, because at some point, one of the things that I also like is to, to, to watch movies. And at some time, I realized that the most interesting visual effects that I was seeing on movies, uh, pretty much all those effects use particle systems which is a computer graphics technique where you generate thousands of millions of small points to generate fire and smoke and fairy dust and desert storms. And at that time, I, it was probably 15 years ago or so, I thought, okay, wouldn't it be nice if you could do the same thing with sound and have thousands of small sounds that together would create these amazing soundscapes? Well, that was the idea behind sound particles. So what do we... To implement that, of course, I needed to implement a kind of a CGI kind of a software like Maya or Blender, but for sound. And so you have this 3D space, endless void space. You start by putting some sound sources over there. And then instead of using virtual cameras like in computer uh, animation, you use virtual microphones that can also move around and capture the sound that is happening on that space. And then one of the major features of sound particles is allowing people to 
use particle systems and generate thousands of subs. So um, uh, the example that I usually give is, for instance, imagine someone that wants to create the sound of a battlefield. And the traditional approach would go, okay, I'm going to my digital workstation uh, and starting importing sounds, an explosion, another explosion, a machine gun, another machine gun, uh, uh, some impact, the breeze and whatever. And probably after eight hours of work, we have like 50 tracks with 50 sounds playing at the same time. With sound particles, you can actually come to the software and say, I want 10,000 sound sources spread over a square mile. You can import 400 war-related sound effects that you have on your disk into the software, place some random movements because you want each particle to move around like a soldier in the battlefield, uh, and then have random audio effects like random filters, random pitch shifters, and then put a bit of microphone stereo, mono, Dolby Atmos, 5.1, Ambisonics, whatever, and capture the sound. And you can actually do this in 10 minutes instead of 8 hours. And that's why sound particles end up being used in all of these epic movies with a lot of superheroes and things like Dune and Star Wars and Aquaman and Wonder Woman, because it's the, the, the perfect tool if you want to create these epic soundscapes with uh, the computer. Yeah. And like you say, it's just a huge time saver, like tremendous efficiency boost by using it. Yeah. For for me, it's mainly about three things. One of them, of course, is productivity. You can do things much faster than you would do manually. The second, it's a matter of scale because you could never create 10,000 clips on the digital audio extension or 10,000 tracks on the digital audio extension. But above all, it's that the end result, it's much better, much more organic, feels much more natural. And for me, when you think about 10,000 sounds, probably you think, okay, it's going to be a big mess because it's 10,000 sounds. But the interesting thing is that since we are actually placing those sounds on positions and spreading, for instance, on the square mile, what happens is that from those 10,000 sounds, 9,000 and many are going to be very far away, just adding to the rumble and just on top of each other, creating this kind of epic sound. And then you have a few sounds very close to the microphone, which, which are going to be highly detailed. Uh, and this is the perfect formula for a good soundscape, because any soundscape, it doesn't matter if it's a battlefield or it's Times Square or the middle of the woods, in all of these scenarios, what you have is many, many sounds very far away and a few sounds close to you. And this is kind of the right balance to get the, the perfect natural sounding soundscape. And I think, of course, I have a biased opinion, of course, <laughs> but I think sound particles can definitely help with this. Yeah, I mean, you very generously provided some tools for uh, for our producer Sam to mess around with and experiment with, and and so I went and spent time with him, while, and he was showing me some of the things that he had learned from Eduardo. I think Eduardo was that yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, and he just loved that. He had so much fun with that, and and it was so cool to see him demonstrate some of the things. Um, many of them plugins, right, that you use in your digital digital audio workstation to, you know, mm -hmm. do whatever you want to do with them. And, uh, you know, they're all so cool, all the ones he showed me, but the ones, there were two that really absolutely just blew my mind because Sam writes music with MIDI instruments, which sound terrible most of the time. And... Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he used one called, a plugin called Density that you... Uh, make and yeah. takes these kind of terrible sounding MIDI trumpets. And runs density on it and suddenly it literally sounds like, and I'm a trumpet player, and it sounded like a choir of trumpets, like actual trumpets. I was just blown away at how it was able to do that. So can you talk a little bit about density, uh, for instance? Sure. So um, th this idea of creating multiple layers with multiple voices is something that is not new. Even the traditional chorus effect, the idea is to try to simulate this. What we decided to do with density is, 
okay, let's try to do this from a different perspective, not the traditional BSP kind of uh, chorus uh, kind of approach, and pretty much use our know-how that we have with particle systems with some particles and say, okay, let's create thousands of particles, not thousands, uh, density goes to 100 and something particles, but tens of particles around, okay, with multiple voices. Let's, let's use granular synthesis, which means that each particle is going to grab a little audio of the input. Um, and then, okay, what makes interesting, uh, the, for instance, if you go to a, a string ensemble, okay, and you get 16 violins, what we want with 16 violins is not to have one big amplified violin, because that's pretty much the sound, the same sound, but only louder. Uh, but it's those minor out-of-tunes that, of course, it adds very smaller, because otherwise it's going to sound like a high school band and not <laughs> orchestra instead of a, a good orchestra. But these small changes in, in tune that actually make that kind of envelope listening that we... I, I still recall, for me, this was a fantastic experience. I recall the first time that I went to see an orchestra live. I was probably 15 or something. And they began to play. It was a place on a very good acoustics. And the, in the beginning, it was only strings. And for me... Listening to the strings in real life for the first time, oh my God, it was those kind of things that, okay, I never listened to this in any kind of song and all album or whatever. And we tried to recreate that with density. So pretty much density creates multiple voices. It's based on the input. So pretty much you are what you are listening are the exact same notes, the same same thing being played, but then we create multiple voices with very small detunes to create this kind of uh, ensemble kind of effect. And then on top of that, of course, and some density can work perfectly in stereo, but if you actually have the chance of listening to it on a, an immersive in 5.1, on 7.1.2, Dolby Atmos, those kind of things, even it makes even uh, uh, things even uh, more interesting. And then, of course, for us, it's quite rewarding that uh, to listen to comments like the one that you were just saying now or seeing this being used by top mixers like Alan Meyerson and many others that do a fantastic job and being knowing that, okay, they are using this to convert this 30 people choir into a 200 people choir and, and those kinds of things. So, yeah. Uh, that's our idea with density was, okay, let's create something to create more voices, but in a completely different way with particles and granular and immersive sound all together. And that was the, the end result of this work. Uh, yeah, such an amazing, amazing tool. And we'll talk about more of them in a minute, but you mentioned something that... Um, you know, I remember in college, in, when I was in grad school, in it was the mid-2000s, like 2005-ish. Um, and that's when 7.1, that's when Lord of the Rings came out in 7.1. And I think that was the first feature film, I could be wrong, to be released that way. So that means seven speakers and a subwoofer, right? So there's seven mm -hmm. around you. 7.1.2 is seven speakers, a big subwoofer, well, a subwoofer, and then two above, right? Two speakers up, up yeah. top. So mm -hmm. one of the cool things I think about sound particles is the ability to render the file for whatever is necessary, right? So you can do 5.1, you said Dolby Atmos, you can do 7.1.2, all these different things, which is, that's, that's uh, there are so many options now, right? On, on how to export yeah. your sound. In our case, since we use this concept of a virtual microphone, that pretty much is like the virtual camera in CGI, the interesting thing is that this makes the system completely agnostic in terms of format, which means that today I've done something, a battlefield or whatever, I've rendered this in 5.1, but tomorrow if someone asks me for a Dolby Atmos version or a third order of Sonics of the exact same scene, I simply go there and change the virtual microphone. For instance, a few months ago, there was a play in New York and they decided to create some sound design in sound particles, but they create a virtual microphone with 20 channels and that microphone has the exact positions of the speakers in the room. So, which means that the render is perfectly for that uh, theater. And even if sometimes they went to a different theater with a different layout, they simply go back to some particles and 
change the settings of the microphone and you get the perfect render. It's not that mixing or down mixing or those kinds of DSP techniques that sometimes we use to convert things into another thing. And that's on the on the major advantage of sound particles because pretty much on a digital audio extension, sometimes it's something that you, when you are creating the project, you have to say automatically what is the format and that's it. You become more or less locked into that format. Um, in here, okay, it's up to you. Today could be mono, tomorrow could be something else. It could be a custom installation that I have uh, 10 speakers above me and three on the floor. So I render to that format or something else. So yeah, the idea of having this virtual microphone has this advantage of simply changing things and format now it's a single parameter of, my, uh, of the something that I have been creating. And that's absolutely incredible. And so you mentioned again right there something something else I think uh, unique about it, I guess, um, you know, because obviously film, so many films lately have been using sound particles, like you said, huge, like big blockbuster films, um, but also games, right? Obviously for sound design and games or music and yeah. games, whatever, totally. But but then theater, like sound installation, right? So, so uh, I mean, talk to me about some of those projects maybe that you've worked on where it hasn't been for film or TV or games, but it has been for like live theater or for maybe a museum sound installation or something. I'm sure it's been used for stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, the majority of our clients work in movies, TV and video games, um, but there are people using this in theater, like in this case, they use uh, they have rain as a and as an important uh, role on the display. So they decided to do all the rain with some particles with these three D renders. Uh, for instance, people are using these on recreation parks uh, because, especially in parks, sometimes you need to put speakers on locations. Uh, and once again. You can be on your studio using a 5.1 microphone because on the studio you have a 5.1 system and you create all the scene in 5.1 in your studio. But then if you want to export this for this custom configuration that uses 11 speakers on special locations, you simply go there and change this. And then there are people also using um, these ideas of sound particles for music and say, okay, what would be the sound of... 500 flying violins or the sound of 100 drummers and and you can start doing a lot of things or eventually for instance uh, people that using this to create a kind of pads but even with this more ensemble kind of feeling and immersive feeling with pads that simply move around and for instance uh, some time ago also another person have used this for something for a more kind of a yoga kind of uh, relaxation kind of uh, application. So, yeah, once again, one of the, the fantastic things about creating sound particles is that when you start talking with people and people start to understand the concept of, of the software and starts to understand what is possible to do and you start to almost see the sparkling in their eyes like, okay, that, that person is already having these crazy ideas uh, and sometimes they tell me, okay, now I can finally create some, can create something that I've been thinking about for many years, but there was no tools to create that. And this is quite rewarding when you see what the artists can do with the tools that you have been creating. Absolutely. One of the other uh, tools that I loved is the energy panner and the energy panner plugin uh, and, and Sam literally only has stereo speakers, just a left channel and a right mm -hmm. channel, but it still sounded like the music was traveling in a big sphere around us. <laughs> Absolutely amazed me that that could happen with two speakers, and it made me wonder how amazing that would be in, in a surround uh, setting, you know? So, so talk to me a little bit about the idea yeah. behind the energy panner and how the particles move through space. Yeah, so, of course, I'm a big fan of anything that has to do with space and immersive and all of those things. And uh, at some point, I was actually driving to the office. I was just after leaving the kids at school and I was listening to some kind of music on the car and I it had some 
some beats and drums, and I thought, okay, wouldn't it be nice if the drum starts to move to the sides when you get the beat, and you get and the drums simply move to the sides, and I thought, okay, that's an uh, interesting idea, uh, let's try to create something. So, what we've done with Energy Panner is pretty much a panner, okay, but it's controlled by the intensity of the sound, which means that you have a, a starting position, and then as the sound starts to be more intense, it starts to move to a different position. And this is quite interesting because there are a lot of things that you can do. First of all is that start having some movement to your music, because traditionally what happened is that people simply go there and place a, a static panning on some track and that's it and leave it like that or the alternative is to do those boring auto pens that goes to the left to the right to the left to the right always on a constant speed and it's slightly more annoying and um, with energy panner since she reacts to the intensity of sound pretty much what it does is makes sound movements but in a more organic feeling because it's not moving always the same way it's slightly if you have a, a stronger beat and then a, another beat that is not as strong you have different kinds of movement or eventually you can apply this to multiple uh, channels and imagine that just, okay i want the sound to be mono uh, but as the start starts to increase i want each channel to go from the center to the left and right side and you start to open up the, the width of the sound and you get a much more uh, interesting result. So yeah, the, the idea of Energy Panel was, okay, let's bring more life into the mixes with something that would feel more organic instead of be something on a constant movement like also pens. And yeah, people really enjoyed of having something like Energy Panel to react and make uh, bring some life into their mixes. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to all of this, um, uh, but I, I do want to know a little bit more about your your path. You know, you mentioned taking the test and getting the same score on engineering as in music, and um, uh, but I I guess I'd love to hear a little bit more about your interest in music and, you know, what instruments you play or did you compose much or just uh, kind of a little bit more about your musical life, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've started, once again, right from the start, I like music and I like also this kind of technology. So I actually went to have some classes for electronic organ, you know, the, with the rhythms and you play the chords and you play the, the <laughs> melody. Um, but at some point, once again, at that time, I years of music lessons, uh, but, you know, the kind of music that you play are not the kind of music that you like, the, the books that my professor, my teacher, music teacher used, okay, it was a lot of old school, so I I decided not to continue with those classes, but I continue like we are self-learning, trying to learn more about this and that. And that then later on, I, I bought my first synthesizer. And when I bought the synthesizer, the synthesizer didn't have any kind of rhythm or drums or whatever, which means that if you want something to sound nice, you have to start moving your fingers like a more like a piano kind of player. So I started to to get to know more about working with the left hand and then starting to play more like a piano player and less like a, an organ kind of, of sound. And um, also at that time, because, okay, I was uh, with a, a lot of friends, so I started also to learn guitar uh, and play guitar, you know, everyone around the, the fire and play some songs. So pretty much I was exploring all of these things. Also at that time, during one year, I took some extra classes of guitar just to develop a little more technique regarding uh, playing guitar. Um, and then I went to college. At that time, I was already composing some songs, especially to the friends and groups. Um, and then I went to college. And during one of the years, I decided to go to the music university here in Lisbon. Uh, I told them, okay, I'm on, on a different university, but I would like to know more about this. Can I attend the classes? And the director of the school at the time told me, okay, as long as you pay the fees that at the time it was non-existent, it's like 500 or less than that for a one year of fees here in, in college. Uh, so I went there and during one year I took 
uh, orchestration, analysis, music analysis, composition techniques. Um, and I even started to create a kind of a, a, a symphony. Okay, I never finished. The first movement was ready and a few fragments of the oh, other cool. movements, but I never finished. I always like, the. I can tell you that my favorite music is soundtracks because it gives you the power of the orchestra, uh, but with a more kind of more modern kind of melodies and harmonies than the, the, the traditional classic music. So I'm a huge fan of all of these soundtracks, you know, and Zimmer, John Williams, uh, those kinds uh, of artists. And, and yeah, that was pretty much my background uh, on music. So I play piano, I play guitar. Uh, at some point, I even bought uh, electric violin, but oh, cool. I didn't have the one hour of the day that he needs to, <laughs> to be mastered. So uh, it's pretty much now only a decoration item. <laughs> but yeah. I always have this passion with music uh, that, once again, aside with, of course, the love with technology. And, you know, you said Lisbon, so Portugal, which I, I yeah. just, it must be so special to you that you can stay in, at home and not mm -hmm. have to move to L.A. to do all this work, right? I mean, I'm sure you travel constantly, but um, but it's really special that you've been able to just stay Stay, you know, stay at your yeah. home to do this. Yeah, and actually, I live in a town called Leiria. It's one hour north of Lisbon. Okay. So it's for me, it's the top in terms of quality of life because if I take more than seven minutes from home to the office, I think that it's too much traffic there. <laughs> uh, and and you get this good quality of life. We are still one hour away from Lisbon, so if you want to go, you know, to a, a concert or something event happening in Lisbon, you are only one hour away, so it's, it's perfectly fine. And in our case, since we work mainly with the external markets, our revenue from Portugal is less than 1%, so we work oh, wow. especially for the United States, UK, and many other countries. So... For us, being in Lisbon and in Leiria, it's pretty much the same. And then, of course, it's traveling, like you mentioned, probably traveling six times a year, going to LA and New York and London uh, several times during the, the year and catching up with the clients, the studios, uh, the professionals that are using our software. But then, essentially, we are a, a software company, so most of the time is spent creating software and creating products, and for that... Uh, we are here on our cozy place here in, uh, in Portugal, creating the software from here. One of the things, uh, there's a very nice interview on your website with you that kind of explains some things about your background and, and, and the work that you do. And something that comes up a lot on this podcast with the composers and, and performers and other people in game audio that I talk to, something that comes up a lot is how wonderfully kind and supportive people are in the audio community. And you talk about that too. Um, uh, and, and I have a couple of questions about that, but I'd like to hear you just talk a little bit about that. And, you know, um, just when you got into the industry and, and just kind of realizing, Hey, this is a really kind community of people, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it was one of one of those, those things because we started work mainly with um, the movie industry, and of course you think about Hollywood as being a very close community. But what I felt was precisely the opposite. Um, I could say that okay, creating, reaching to the first client was very hard, but okay, it was simple, easy. I see. I simply was going to LA to a AES convention, and before going, I simply sent emails to five or six people say, okay, I'm doing this. I think this could be interesting for big productions. And I'm going to be in town in two weeks. So if you want to know more, just let me know. And then the first reply was from Skywalker, uh, inviting me to go there and do a presentation. Amazing. So that's starting with the right foot. Uh, and then I end up doing presentations in things like Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, Sony, Fox, later in Disney, Pixar, Apple, Google, Blizzard, and many other places. And what I felt was, once again, I was doing something, uh, someone that comes from the other side of the world, uh, someone that doesn't even have a product finished, it was only a prototype at the time, but people received me saying, yeah, 
perfect. Come here. We'd like to have you here and talk a little more about us. And it was something that I felt very, uh, it was very rewarding to me to see all of these people that are, some of them, the best in the world in what they do, world-class professionals. And they are simply coming and, okay, come here. We'd like to know more about that and giving these 10 minutes or 15 minutes just for you to tell us what are you doing. And it was a kindness that showed to me that I was not counting on. Uh, and that was uh, very good. Skywalker, your first presentation. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like going to the sanctuary right from the start. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You've also been, and maybe not as much now. I'd like to hear. I'd like to know. Um, for a time, at least, you were quite an avid author, and and you did write two books in Portuguese about uh, sound design, one on iOS development, but also numerous articles. So, um, you know, clearly, it's not just that you love audio and you want to work in it, but you also clearly feel a passion to teach others about it as well. So I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about that side of, of your life. Yeah, I can. Actually, if you pick up the, my book in Portuguese regarding some engineer, uh, I start by saying on the book that I, I hate writing. Uh, <laughs> but it was one of the things that I felt because at the time there wasn't anything, uh, any book regarding sound engineering in Portuguese. Uh, and I've started doing some um, mini courses on sound engineering, people that want to give the, the first steps or eventually people that already worked in sound engineer for many years, by, but they don't know exactly what is happening. Okay, they know that this knob makes that kind of sound, but they don't know exactly what is happening. Why is this knob working this way or that way? So I started doing these courses in Lisbon, in Porto, and other cities regarding almost like this introduction to sound engineering, where music students and other professionals uh, would come to, to get to know more about those things. And at some point, I decided, okay, why not writing a book uh, about uh, sound engineering Portuguese to make sure that uh, Portuguese people is still be able because of course there are some books in English but uh, the language is still a barrier for a lot of people so I decided okay let's do this and I've done it and then later on I was working with some of my colleagues at the university my this local university and pretty much there we were a group of five professors that were interested in know more about iOS development. We started working together. Some will learn something and teach the others. And then we were able to do this kind of knowledge management and everyone was teaching all the other four about some topics. So we started growing things. We at some point created a summer school about iOS development. And then I thought, okay, if we are already uh, doing this, why not doing writing a book? And each one will write like 50 or 70 pages. And okay, the, the effort is much less. We are the support of everyone that uh, on those bad times that you say, oh my God, I don't feel writing this or I, want, I need to review this. But everyone was supporting. So we also wrote that book about iOS. And regarding the papers, it's pretty much uh, one of the reasons for me to uh, start teaching is to have time to do this crazy project. So pretty much those papers were the, the fruit of me spending time researching these and that and trying to create something and, and then sharing with other people to be able to get that and helping them on their researches on other topics. Mm -hmm. Now, how many years did you teach at university? I teach almost 20 years. It oh, was wow. 17 or 18. So okay. it was... Uh, many years teaching at the, the university, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but then sound particles happened and I had to to move into sound particles uh, and be completely dedicated. And to be honest, sound particles, I, it's great to, to teach, especially when the students want to know uh, more. Uh, but uh, of course, some particles, it's even more close to my heart yeah. uh, uh, as being able to create these crazy tools and allow people to uh, using them on this fantastic project. It must have been so exciting the first time you implemented it and it worked the way you expected it to, yeah? 
Yeah, when when I started thinking about some particles, uh, I like I mentioned, the idea came to me like 15 years ago, but it was one idea like so many that we have in life. And then in 2012, I had finished my PhD on another topic of computer audio, and still no one was using particle systems for sound. So as a computer geek that I am, because this space doesn't fool anyone, I decided to, okay, let's start creating the, the software. And on the beginning, I, I knew that this kind of software would be uh, particularly interesting for reproductions, for these epic movies. But let's face it, okay, what are the chances of someone university professor in Portugal to create a program and then be using Universal and Warner Brothers and these major studios in big productions. But sometimes in life, you simply have to be a little naive or cocky, depending on the point of view. And I, it was, okay, I didn't care. It was, even if no one are going to use my software, I'm having a lot of fun creating the software and myself as a user of my software trying things and be able to generate these amazing soundscapes. And I was having a lot of fun, even if no one would ever use it. But of course, I was lucky enough to have people using the software. And of course, it makes it even more interesting when people start using your product. Yes, no kidding. Uh, some of the other plugins that Sam showed me in his little demonstration, uh, the Doppler plugin was is very fun. Uh, we had so many laughs messing around with that one because, oh, it's just <laughs> very, very fun. So uh, tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah. So when we've created some particles, um, one of the things that people really liked about some particles was the quality of the Doppler. Okay. Uh, I still recall at some point I was talking with David Farmer, the sound designer from Lord of the Rings, uh, and he was saying, okay, sound particle has the best Doppler by software that I have encountered. And I replied to him, really? Uh, because, okay, there are, it's a Doppler. There are many Dopplers in the market. But then I realized what makes sound particle special because what we are doing at sound particles is we are tracking the sound, uh, the sound source uh, per sample, which means that if I'm working with a sample rate of 48 kilohertz, I'm actually tracking the position of the sound 48,000 times per second. And that means that you are able to generate a Doppler that is very high precise instead of doing other trade-offs that usually we engineers think, okay, this is going to be a little heavy, so let's try to do something that is less heavy on the CPU because people want to use a lot of plugins. So you end up sometimes doing some trade-offs that affect the quality of sound. So we end up having a very good Doppler at sound particles, and then we decided, uh, okay, let's do start doing some plugins. And the first plugin that we decided to do was, okay, let's using this plugin for a Doppler uh, that uses the same engine, the same high quality of the Doppler, uh, and that was one of the first plugins that we released. Oh, cool. <laughs> so how many total do you have now? So now we have uh, six plugins um, with some variations. So we have, of course, Doppler. We have Air that pretty much uh, gives you, uh, it's a kind of a filter that simulates the behavior of distance. Okay, so when you have a distant sound, the way that the sound is absorbed is mainly on the high frequencies depending on the distance. So what we have done was pretty much like a low-pass filter, but has the exact response of air gives to you. And you can even go there and change the temperature and humidity and you get the exact kind of uh, sound. And sometimes people think that that's only a low-pass filter, but what happens is that your brain spends the entire life knowing sound and knowing the distance from the sound. So if you want to fool the brain to think that the sound is actually at a particular distance, uh, you have to have this kind of filter response uh, to make sure that the brain is fooled and say, yeah, it feels like the sound at, at that distance. So you have hair. Um, and actually, on the beginning, it was like a, a feature of Doppler because the idea, okay, let's do a Doppler, but let's do... Uh, even better, Doppler, and make sure that when the sound is very far away, the frequency response is different from the frequency when it's close to the microphone. So we started 
being a feature of Doppler, but then we say, no, no, it's, this is great. Let's do a plugin also with this kind of behavior. And, and then we have energy panel that we talk. We also create, um, another plugin called brightness panel and uh, the energy panel. And now we have brightness panel also, but instead of being a panel controlled by the intensity of sound, what we have, it's a panel controlled by the brightness of the sound or by the pitch of the sound, which means that imagine that I have some arpeggios and I want these arpeggios to move around, like moving back and forward, depending on the note that's being played. So brightness panel, it's like energy panel, but using frequency instead of intensity of the sound. Um, we have density and then well, uh, we also release something called space controller because especially when you are working with 3D sound environment, if you are working with stereo, a pen, you know, a knob, it's perfectly fine for you to pen things between left and right. Mm -hmm. When you start using 5.1, okay, a joystick can help do this kind of panning, okay? But when you start moving with immersive and you want the sound to be on in here above you and do crazy movement, it's much difficult to you to do that with joysticks or knobs. So what we decided was to have this app on your phone that you simply point the phone like a laser pointer when you want the sound. So pretty much if you want the sound to be in front, you simply point to the front. If you want the sound to start moving above you, simply point the phone above you if you want some crazy things you simply shake the your phone and pretty much it's like a laser pointer when you are facing the phone that's where the panel will position the, wow. the sound and of course it's a lot of fun okay you can even use two phones one in each hand to control left and right and go crazy <laughs> wow. panning but even if you simply are doing things with a single sound in surround we felt that it's by far the most intuitive way of things if you want like any kind of movement it's completely intuitive you simply point your hand to the kind of movement that you want and the sound will be there on that direction where you are pointing the, the phone uh, and then more recently we simply created a light version of air that uh, it's called air music edition it's a free plugin that pretty much allows people to use air, but more on a music context. So it doesn't need to play sound like 20 miles away or something <laughs> like that. It's pretty much simply to to get a sense. It's a very subtle, subtle uh, but very effective way of giving a few depth to the to the sound. You have something, okay, I want the sound slightly more distant, and you simply use the, the air music edition to, to do this kind of movement. So... That's pretty much our collection of plugins for the moment. Incredible. I mean, it was it, like I've said it already, but it was really fun to to just have them be demonstrated and and to hear, especially density. I mean, that, I'm just shaking. I'm still shaking my head about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, those are MIDI trumpets that sound like real trumpets. Amazing. Um, uh, yeah. Well, uh, what more would you like to say that that I haven't asked you or that you want people to know about sound particles? So, uh, of course, you can go to our website and know more about our product. And even without spending money, you can get edition that we mentioned. Also, we have another free product called Explorer that pretty much uh, allows you to manage your collection of songs and search for them. And for us, it was important because we have this special passion for special allow you to have full immersive support. So you can ever recording in ambisonics but if you are on a studio 5.1 and you press play automatically decodes and has a lot of features for special audio and then finally we also have a, an ebook called all you need to know about 3d audio uh, it's now with around fifteen thousand uh, downloads it's translated in seven languages mm. um, and it's a, a a way for people to get to do the transition from stereo to the, this new immersive formats and allow people to know more about what is 7.1.2, what is all the atmos and objects and what is ambisonics or binaural. So pretty much the idea, of course, there are some books already out there. Uh, most of them are more focused on the scientific part of things with a lot of crazy math equations. <laughs> uh, and maybe we felt the need of having something smaller, like, okay, it's 30 or 30, 40 pages uh, written in a way that doesn't have crazy math or anything like that. But because people are need some information to convert into this world of immersive. So 
feel free to come to our site and download this. And it's a wonderful way to, to get more into the immersive. And if you don't like reading, we also have a series of our YouTube channel regarding the, the same concept. All you need to know about 3D audio with six videos covering pretty much what it is on the web, on the book, especially if you don't like reading and you simply prefer to watch some videos and someone talking about that. Yeah, it's very clear that education is still a passion of yours. You feel strongly about making sure people yeah. have the tools they need to learn how to use the tools, right? <laughs> yeah, one of the things, for instance, that we've made is that Sound Particles is free for students, teachers, and schools. So if you are a student oh, wow. or a teacher or a staff in a school, you can get Sound Particles for free. Because, once again, we don't know that the students don't have the money to to buy software, sometimes not even the universities have money to buy software. So we see them as a, our giving something to the community and almost seeing it as an investment because, okay, now they don't have money. You know, in the future, they can become the, the best in the world doing that. And, okay, they know about some particles, so mm -hmm. uh, why not? Well, Nuno, thank you so much for your time today. It's it's just been a pleasure to to get to watch your tools in action and hear them in films I didn't even know I was hearing. And uh, I just am so grateful that you've created such an amazing, you know, set of tools for, for audio people. No, and for me, thank you, Emily, for having the chance of being here with you and talk a little more. Like I mentioned, it's always a pleasure for me to, to share with others what we have been doing at Home Particles. So feel free to reach you or anyone listening to us. Feel free to reach to us if they want to know more about the things that we have been doing. Appreciate that. I'll make sure there are links for, for folks to find find you and, and your tools. And I'm so grateful for your time today, Nuno. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Sound Particles and Nuno Fonseca and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Nuno on the Level with Emily YouTube channel and please do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any videos. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hey, how's it going? You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.